Mark 4, verse 1 to 25. Um, we'll pick it up there. Let's, let's read together. It says, Again, he began to teach by the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. In his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell along the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. Immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil, and when the sun rose, it was scorched. Since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell along the thorns, and it grew up with the thorns, and the thorns choked it out, and it yielded no grain. And still other seed fell on the good soil, and it produced grain, growing up, increasing, and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said to them, He who has ears, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all of the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path. Where the word is sown, they hear, and Satan immediately comes up and takes away the word that was sown in them. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and when they had no root in themselves, but endure for a little while, then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown amongst the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. But the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things enter in and choke out the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown in the good soil are the ones that hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said to them, A lamp is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand. For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added. For to one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Let's pray. Father God, as we open your word this morning, uh, your word promises us, Lord, that your kingdom is here. Lord, your word says your kingdom is here. And not only that, but your kingdom is advancing. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for the work of your kingdom, Lord, the work of your message of salvation in our hearts. And I pray this morning that you would soften our hearts, Lord, to receive what your spirit would have for us, Lord. Would you open our ears to hear his voice? Would you teach us and instruct us this morning, I pray. And we ask these things in Jesus' good and precious name. And the church said, amen. So last week, if you guys were here with us, um, we're kind of, I did a little bit of a recap there going back to verse one. Um, we got to get through the explanation of parables last week, but we didn't actually get to explain this parable. So, um, I kind of left you guys on a little bit of a cliffhanger, but we got to see that parables, um, were used by Jesus to reveal truth to those who were interested in hearing it and then to conceal truth from those who weren't interested in hearing it, those who rejected the message of Jesus. Um, Jesus also used parables to help us understand his kingdom and that his kingdom is different than the kingdom of the world that is actually um, completely different and opposed to the kingdom of the world. Um, 
So that was what we kind of got to talk about last week. Uh, we got to talk about God's kingdom um, being the redemptive rule and reign of God in Christ. So the redemptive rule and reign of God in Christ, and that his kingdom is here and it's advancing. But what is it advancing against is a good question for us to ask. The misconception that I've commonly heard um, in conversations with people is that people actually think that humanity is in charge of this world. That they think we're in control and that we have, um, we have infinite authority over what we can do and we can pick and choose exactly what happens, how things happen, and we get to run, we run the world ourselves. No, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what Jesus affirms. Because of our fallen nature, Satan has allowed fallen humanity to believe that we humans are in control, that we can do what we want, we can go about our day as we choose. But the truth is that he has um, authority over this present time, over this world. And we need to remember that, that the kingdom of God is directly opposed to Satan and his kingdom. Why else would Satan, when he's tempting Jesus for those 40 days and Jesus is out in the wilderness, offer him all the kingdoms of the world if he didn't already have them? Satan does have some power. He's on a chain, but he does have some power, and he's at work um, specifically against the word of God in our lives. That's what we're up against. He's the spirit that's at work in the sons of disobedience. He's directly opposed to in a war with the kingdom of God. So it's interesting, this, uh, this last week, actually it was last, last Sunday, I was on a ride along with uh, one of the officers at Escondido Police, and we were grabbing a quick bite to eat at a restaurant, and a woman came up to us and asked us this question. She's like, hey, I, I've been really thinking about this, and then she saw that my vest had chaplain on it, so she's like, oh, you're probably the right person to ask. I'm like, okay, that's, that's great. Um, she's like, I've been really thinking, and she's uh, really upset about what's going on with the immigration camps. And she's like, what I really want to do, and I feel like God's telling me to do this, is go chain myself to a pole. So what are the legal ramifications to that, and what are the spiritual ones too? Like, am I, am I actually hearing God's voice in this? And it was an, it was an interesting question. Why do I say that? Because, yes, I believe there is a humanitarian problem. Down there, if people aren't being treated fairly, God loves all human life. The Bible affirms that. Christ affirms that. He died for them. But is that the right way to protest? Chaining yourself to a pole? I don't think so. You see, Jesus' kingdom wasn't a political kingdom. He didn't come to gain a popular vote and then take over the Roman authorities and rule and reign like they did. He didn't. His kingdom wasn't political. Nor do I think changing any kind of political movement or driving any political agenda is going to change anybody's heart. Why? Maybe you've heard this saying before, that the problem, the human problem is the heart, or the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. I said that right? It's a confusing one, but you, you can get it. The human heart is ultimately the problem. It's not politics. It's not that we can change a law and we're going to change people's lives by it. No. Only Christ can do that. See, her argument against that, I asked her this question. I just said, where in the Bible do you find God telling you to delete that kind of a political statement? Where did Jesus ever affirm or ask us as his followers to be political like that? And you can find, I just challenged her to look, look through that and find it, because you're not going to find that in the Bible. Um, then her, her argument with that one was, well, Jesus did clear out the temple, didn't he? That was what she came back with. And I said, yes, that was, that was God's house. That was not the White House.
God's house was a place of worship. And what was the purpose of his house? It was a place where we could come, spend time with him. And it was a place where, what, he wanted us to be doing what? Praying for the nations, amen? And what had happened in that house? So I would say it had become too political. People were buying and selling things. Um, there was an agenda there that was not praying for the nations. And Jesus had to come and take that out. That's different. Once again, Jesus was asked in Matthew 17 um, by some of his uh, religious opponents, I would say, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, if he paid the temple or the, the head tax to Caesar. And I found it interesting that um, this would have been a very political move. If Jesus said, no, I'm not going to pay any tax to Caesar because I don't believe in that, they would have thought he's leading the revolution to become their Messiah that he wanted to take over. But what did he do? He told Simon Peter, no, go Go grab your, your fishing rod and reel and go catch a fish real quick. You're going to find in that a shekel that's going to pay for both of us. Jesus wasn't trying to make a political statement here. And my second challenge to her was this. Do you watch the news regularly? And I just said, maybe for a one week, the time that you spend watching the news, whatever news media it is, and this is a challenge, maybe you guys should take this next week, just, uh, just as an encouragement from your pastor this morning, Take that time that you usually spend watching the news and spend time in the Word of God instead. See how you feel at the end of the week. See, just as, as a little trial period, see if anything changes in your heart and in your life. So I would encourage you, I, I do believe that the news is, uh, is something that wants to cause us anxiety. It wants to cause outrage in us. They sell that. But the Word of God is powerful and effective. It can change our hearts it can bring us closer to him. It brings peace in our lives, not anxiety, not stress. And it gives us direction in life. How do we respond to a humanitarian problem that might be happening in these holding places for immigrants? Well, let's get into the word of God. Let's figure out what it says. Meditate on the word of God. After that one-week trial, let's see how that works. Let's see how your life has changed. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 12, Paul writes this to the church of Ephesus. He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces in the, of evil in the heavenly places. Ephesians 2 also reveals to us that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He is the, you know, the, the prince over this world for this time. What does that mean? That the world is under his influence. We need to remember that as part of the kingdom of God, that means that there's going to be opposition from the world. They're going to try to impose their agendas on us while we're trying to seek the kingdom of God, which is completely opposed to his kingdom. So we know Jesus didn't come seeking political popularity. He came as an agent of peace, offering all of humanity the opportunity to defect from the kingdom of this world, right? Saying, I'm coming as an agent of peace. This was his first coming. We're still living in this time period where he is offering all of humanity the ability to defect from the kingdom of the world, of Satan's rule and reign. He's saying that all of humanity has chains. Where is the chain leading to? It leads to the kingdom of this world, whether it's to... Um, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, you, you name it, that we're chained to something. And Christ says, I am giving my life freely that you can be freed from that and you can live free in my kingdom. 
that you can have peace and joy in my kingdom, that you can live eternally with me in my kingdom. There's a difference there. In the kingdom of God, chains are broken. In the kingdom of this world, chains are being made. So we're living in this time where Jesus is still offering all of humanity the opportunity to leave the kingdom of darkness, enter his kingdom of light, to be free from the penalty of sin forever, to be reconciled to God, to live freely for him as with him as their king, and to do what? For his kingdom, to advance it. Amen? So where did this, this woman go wrong then in her desire to chain herself to a pole? Because her desire was, is good, her intention is, is good, I would say. The method wasn't. What's interesting, I don't know if, you've, if you guys have watched the news, maybe you've seen what's happening in Hong Kong right now. There's been really big protests, and a lot of them are actually led by Christians. In fact, the unofficial anthem of their protests, because a lot of these protests have to do with religious freedoms over there, um, was actually an old Christian song called Sing Hallelujah to the Lord. If you ever get a chance, Google that this week and listen to 800,000 to a million people in Hong Kong singing that aloud together in the streets. It's powerful. But see, what's driving people crazy about these protests in Hong Kong is that as they start with the Christians, um, a lot of them just coming out openly, opposing what's going on, singing this song, sing hallelujah to the Lord. And then as they leave the streets, they didn't do what? They didn't loot the streets. They didn't leave trash everywhere. They picked up every little bit of trash as they went and they left it better than they found it. And it was like everybody in the world, at least for a while, was looking at them and thinking, what the heck is going on? This is not what we're used to. There is a way that we can protest evil in this world. It's not by chaining ourselves to a pole. The real problem is the heart of people. In Jeremiah 17, verse 9, it says, The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? I'll say that again. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Isn't that interesting? So we all have one, amen? Who really knows how bad it is? Well, Jesus does. And let's see what he has to say about it. Because in this text, we're going to find that our mission and purpose as followers of Christ, as part of his kingdom, is to hear, to respond to, and to share the gospel. If we don't listen to the word, we won't benefit from it. If we don't share it, others won't benefit from it. Amen? To understand the parable... Let's, let's go to it again here. Jesus explains it for us. The sower is the one who takes God's word, the message of salvation to others. In this case, it was Jesus. In our case, it's us. We're his church. We are the sower. The message is salvation, the good news of the kingdom, that God will save and redeem sinners through who? Jesus Christ. The seed is the word of God or the gospel. The soil is the human heart. See, there wasn't a problem with the sower. The sower never changed in this story, nor did the seed. So when we call this the parable of the sower, the, the, the sower really, it's, I, I almost think the better word for it would be the parable of the soil. Because the soil is the only thing that ever changes in this story. Not the seed and not the sower. The problem was with the soil. The problem was with the heart. And Jesus points to four different kinds of human hearts. First, there's the hard heart. Let's pick up in verse 3. It says, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. 
And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. When Jesus says, listen, and this is what's kind of interesting, there's a sandwich here kind of where he says, listen. The same word for listen is used back in Deuteronomy when God's giving Moses the law. And he says to them, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is what? One. It was a pretty important statement. It's the same kind of, it's the same exact word used here in the New Testament by Jesus. So this is bringing a flashback for these, these Jews listening in on this. Okay, this is, this is something really important. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. The explanation to this is found in verse 14. If you scroll down there, it says, The sower sows the word. These are the ones along the path. Where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So the hard heart are the people that hear the gospel message. They hear you try to tell them about Jesus, and they immediately reject it. They immediately tell you, no, I'm not interested in your Jesus. I'm not interested in your religion. I'm not interested. I don't want to hear about it at all. For whatever reason, they completely reject hearing it. They don't want to hear it. Or they have heard it and they have determined in their own heart that the cost of following Jesus would be too much. What do I mean by that? That when they hear what they'd have to give up, you know, the sins, the pleasure of this life, the, the things that they have that's chaining them down, they'd have to give that up to follow Jesus. They, they couldn't do that. They reject the message of the gospel. The Pharisees and the religious leaders in this story are the ones with the hard hearts. You see, they once questioned Jesus, it's in Matthew 19, and further on in Mark and, and chapter 10, they asked Jesus this question about marriage. And they said, well, you know, Moses allowed divorce, Jesus. So um, is, is, divorce, is divorce okay was kind of the question. And it, it was kind of a question that the Pharisees were asking, is divorce okay for any and every reason? Like, hey, my wife burnt the toast. Something as silly as that. Um, it could be my, my wife left her essential oils out. I don't know which, whatever the problem is, you know. Can I divorce her for that reason, for any and every reason? And Jesus says, no. God made them male and female. He created them to be together. He put them together. And let what God put together, let no man what separate. Amen? But then he said, because of what? The hardness of your heart, Moses permitted divorce. Isn't that interesting? This hard heart problem has been around forever. It's always been around of our hard hearts. So the second kind of heart that we find, we have the hard heart, and then the second kind of heart we'll find here is the superficial heart or the shallow heart. That's found in verse 5. It says, other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up. Since it had no depth of soil, when the sun arose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. In verse 16, Jesus explains this soil. And he says, these are the ones that were sown on the rocky ground. The ones who, when they heard the word, immediately received it with joy. And they had no root in themselves, but endured for a little while. Then when turbulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So this is the kind of soil, and many of you guys are probably familiar with this in Valley Center, where you try to dig down a little bit and you get about two inches down and you hit a rock. I'm familiar with that in Ramona. I know your pain. (laughs) Trying to plant something and there's just a big old rock right there. This is that kind of soil where there's just a little bit of topsoil that usually is great for growing weeds. 
But when you try to plant something real like grain or something in this story here, it immediately sprouts up. But then as soon as the sun comes, because it has no root to get water, immediately it scorches the plant and it falls away. In the spiritual sense of this, this is people that heard the message of the gospel. They received it with joy. And they maybe even followed God for a little bit. They came to church for a little bit. But there was no real root in their heart. They didn't meditate on the word of God day and night. They didn't spend time in prayer with God. They didn't spend time in belie- with the believers. Maybe they came to church as their once a week, one hour time in the word. But then when they left church and the preacher closed his Bible, their Bible was closed all week until the next Sunday. This is the superficial heart. Because soon as somebody challenges them for their belief, like, oh, hey, I saw you were going to church on Instagram or this and that. What do you think about this problem? What well, I have a problem with this part of the Bible or something that immediately, as soon as persecution, what about LGBTQ and, and that? How do you address that? They immediately fall away. Because there was no root in their heart. As soon as one of their loved ones dies, as soon as they lose their job, immediately God's against me, I'm, they fall away. They have no root. That's the shallow heart. And a lot of these people are comfort seekers, and I like to call them. Um, they like a Christianity as long as it makes them feel good. You know, there's a lot of mega churches out there that just make people feel good, and they make money on that. It's sad. But there's a lot of Christians out there, a lot of people who call themselves Christians who don't really have deep roots but like Christianity, as long as it makes them feel good. See, this easy believism, I would say, isn't, isn't, wasn't just rampant in the first century back here when Jesus was teaching. It's also rampant today. Um, you just pray this simple prayer and you'll be saved. And I'm not saying that that's not true. But one or two years later, it'll be clear whether or not that message is really received in your heart and there was any roots planted. You know, there's a, a preacher about 300 years ago, George Whitfield that um, I've studied um, not only in seminary but also on my own. I think he's a really interesting man, and God really used him powerfully. He would preach to thousands, crowds of thousands and thousands of people, and he'd have tons of people come forward and receive Christ 300 years ago. And then he would have these other pastors come up and talk to him on the side. Hey, man, how many people were saved today? How many people? They want a number. 2,000, 3,000, what's the number, Jesus? Or what's, what's the number, George? You know, And... His answer was super interesting to me when he was asked how many people were saved today. And he said this, we'll see in a few years. We'll see in a few years. Not because you have to earn your salvation. That's not what he meant. He said, what we'll see in a few years is if there's any fruit produced in that person's life. If there's anything changed in that person's heart. If there's anything changed in the way that they talk to others and the way that they, they love others. There's any change in their behavior and change in their heart. What kind of roots did they develop? The third kind of heart is the distracted or divided heart. And we can pick this one up in verse 7. It says, Other seed fell among the thorns. Thorns grew up and choked it. It yielded no grain. And then in verse 18, Jesus explains the meaning of this. He said, Others are the ones sown amongst the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires, For other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So this is a seed that fell amongst the thorns. Now, I don't want to be reading into this too much, but I would say that this third kind of heart is the heart that's prevalent in American Christianity. 
These are the people that hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message and the power of the gospel is choked out by the worries and anxieties of this life. Why? Because we are so prone to want what? The American dream, to have all that we can have in our possession, to gain wealth, the desire for material things, the new cars, the new houses, the new stuff. We want that. But what happens when we have more stuff and more wealth? We get what? More anxious and more worried and more stressed that we're going to what? Lose it all. Right? And what happens when we have more stuff and more clutter in our lives? The more that the word of God gets choked out in our lives. And no fruit is produced. That's sad. You see, this last, uh, actually just a couple days ago, me and my wife were out and we're, you know, as we're doing these projects on the house, one of the projects was building a new deck that was just falling apart. It literally almost fell apart when we were trying to pull it down. And right next to this deck, let's just say there was a lot of deferred maintenance on the house we bought. <laughs> and then, like I say, there's a, if you ever want a good spiritual insight, just go work on your house and ask God to speak to you while you're doing it. He will. And right next to this deck was probably a Bougainvillea plant that had been there for probably the last 15 years. And it had not only grown through, intertwined into this chain link fence, but also into the two trees. And it was probably about 20 to 30 feet tall and just way overgrown onto the side of the house. If you've never tried to pull a Bougainvillea out of a fence before, (laughs) let's just say that plant didn't grow immediately. It didn't come there overnight. It was years and years of it weaving its way through that fence, through the trees, and years and years of thorns on every little inch of that vine. You see, thorns don't grow gradually. They grow, I mean, they don't grow instantly. They grow gradually. The same thing's true in our lives. When when we start getting stuff and we get attached to the stuff, the material things, the wealth that we have, it's not an instant thing. It's not like you get something and instantly you're so attached to it that it what does what chokes out the gospel in your life. No. It's something that gradually and gradually and gradually takes you away from the word of God, takes you away from the people of God, takes your mind off the things of God and puts it on what? The things of this world again. And you know what thorns are in your life this morning? You'll know if it's a thorn when you try to pull it away and it's really painful. You'll know if it's a thorn if you try to pull it away and it's really painful. You know, I'm, almost, I'm, I'm fairly convinced after pulling that thing out that Jesus' crown of thorns was made of Bougainvillea at this point. <laughs> it hurt pulling that thing out. You see, but the same thing with our lives. While it may hurt to pull some of these things out of our lives that have been cluttering our lives and taking our mind off the things of God, off the things of his kingdom, it's good for us. While we may love the thing that we have, the material thing, and maybe it maybe it's bloomed, it's flowers above me, it looks beautiful, but then it's like, it's way overgrown and it's causing problems. You need to pull it out of your life. What thorns do you have in your life that are choking the word out? Because a heart that's divided or distracted is a heart that's ultimately going to fall apart. So what thorns are in your life? If you're wealthy, you've worked hard for what you have, my question would be, do you joyfully give to the kingdom of God? You see, I know, I know a lot of very wealthy men that give more money than I can even fathom to the kingdom of God. And joyfully. 
they're not attached to it. They just they they think they're and they actually understand that God's given them a great job and great wealth so that they can actually support the kingdom of God and they support missionaries all over the world. They support the local church. They support all all sorts of things and they just see like, hey, look, God's given me this gift to make money and I'm giving it back. And God bless them for that. Do you joyfully give into the kingdom of God? You see, there's this myth out there that God only wants 10%. No, when we give our lives to him, we surrender everything. We surrender our whole life, our whole heart. God says he wants all of us, but he only requires 10% of what we get. He says you can, you can enjoy the other 90%. He only requires the 10% back. But he challenges us. The more we give, the more we're going to get back. Amen? There's a direct challenge there, and I have found that to be very true. In my counseling appointments, when I'm talking to married couples, single people, all, you, know, you name it. I've never had, talked to anybody that had financial problems or talked to any other pastors who've had counseling appointments with financial problems who were faithfully giving into the kingdom of God. That's just my experience. Are we faithfully giving into the kingdom of God? Do you have nice things or do nice things have you? That's the other question. Maybe we need to declutter our lives and our hearts this morning. The fourth is the good soil. It's the fruitful heart. And that we can find that in verse 8. It says, Other seed fell onto the good soil and it produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And he said, He who has ears, let him hear. In verse 20, we pick up the explanation to that. But those who were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. See, when Jesus said this seed, and he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Essentially, what he's saying is, Are you guys listening? You see, I've heard, I've heard it said before that men have selective hearing. <laughs> Maybe it's just because I'm married. And, and it's true. I would say it's true. I, I own it. Um, I think all of us men, we should own that. We do have selective hearing. But I think spiritually, we all have selective hearing. What do I mean by that? I mean, when we're reading the Bible and God is really poking at something in our heart or something in our lives that needs to be taken out, whether it's a sin issue, whether it's a thorn, whether it's something that's just taken us away from the kingdom of God. Sometimes we don't want to hear it, so we what? We turn off our ears. We hear it, but we aren't listening, we aren't taking it in, there aren't roots being developed. So what kind of roots do we have? Because this good soil is the one who heard the word of God, they received the gospel, they developed roots, they studied the word of God, and then they did what? They shared the word of God. Their lives were changed. They bore fruit. What do I mean by that? Galatians 5, and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's some of the fruit that we're going to experience when we have really deep roots in the gospel. When we have deep roots into our Savior. Are those evidenced in your life today? What are you struggling with today? And what kind of heart do you have? See, when Jesus says there's only four kinds of hearts, I believe that when we go out and share the message of the gospel with other people, as we're commanded and called to do, people are going to have what? One of four different kinds of heart. There's four different kinds of soil out there. We're called to sow seed. Does that mean we get to pick what kinds of soil there are? No. That means that we get to share the message and we're going to 
one out of four times at least have somebody that has a fruitful heart, somebody that's ready to receive the gospel. But we're not going to experience that until, what? Until we share the gospel. The responsibility of those who hear the word is to share it. So let's go to Mark uh, chapter 4, verse 21. It says this. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. For if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. You'll hear that twice now. Anyone who has ears to hear, let him hear. What he's saying is, essentially, you guys are smart. You can think this out for yourselves. You're intelligent people. Valley Center, you're intelligent people. You can think this out for yourselves. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Pay attention to what you hear. By the measure you use, the measure it will be measured back to you, and still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given, and the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Here we run into, I would say, the, the, the balance of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. See, a lot of, there's, there's a certain group of Christians that want to say, God is completely sovereign, and therefore I don't need to do what? I don't need to fulfill the Great Commission because God is sovereign. He's going to select the people that he wants to save. See, I believe that the Bible actually teaches it a little bit differently, a lot differently, that there's an equal balance of God's sovereign and man's responsibility. That God gives us all the responsibility to do what? To receive the word, to hear the word, to receive the word, to respond to the word, and then to do what? To share it. Are we doing that? God is sovereign over all, yet we still have responsibility. By its nature, light is meant to do what? It's supposed to what? Reveal things in darkness. That's its purpose. It's to reveal things. It's to illuminate the room. It's to illuminate what's before us. Why do we have headlights on our cars? To illuminate the road we're going on at night. If we didn't have them, bad things would happen. So what do we do then if we've heard the word, we've accepted the word, we've received the word, and we've responded to the word... Are we, and we're not sharing the word, what are we doing then? We're putting our light under a bed. We're putting our, we're basically taking the headlights off the car. We're not fulfilling the purpose for which God's called us and saved us for. See, light's purpose is to reveal things, and the word is like that. The world doesn't like light. Why? Because it reveals its sin. It reveals wickedness. It reveals things that it doesn't like. It reveals things that it doesn't like to deal with. When it reveals sin, uh, it's, it's, that's never a comfortable thing, is it? A sin is like, like rust. In fact, I, I'm working on a 44-year-old truck, my daily driver. And what I found with cars, and I've owned quite a few cars now, is that you can hide rust for a little while. You can hide rust for a little while. But over the years, if not controlled, if not taken care of, if not treated with the right kind of treatment that converts, converts rust into something paintable, something that won't keep rusting, you're going to end up with what? But all car, car guys hate to hear cancer. You end up with cancerous rust, meaning that it's eaten all the way through the metal panel and it's left a big old gaping hole that you have to now deal with. And that is something that can't be hidden. Sin is just like that in our lives. While we can hide it for a little while, when we allow God's light into our lives and we're called to shine like a light, that means that sin in our lives is going to be revealed. Sin in your life is going to be revealed. You can hide it for a little while, just like rust. Eventually, it'll become cancerous if you don't take care of it. That's what Christ came to do, to take care of our sin. Give it to him today. 
Just like a light can't fulfill its purpose under a bed, neither can a Christian fulfill his or her purpose if they don't share the truth of the gospel in whatever way that God gives them the opportunity to. Now, one way that I've heard it said is like this. How are you helping somebody take one step closer to Jesus today? How are you helping somebody take one step closer to Jesus today? What do I mean by that? I mean, everybody's on their, on their, on their journey, I think, to Jesus in one, one way or another. Whether they're at the point where they're a hard heart, they're rejecting him, that they're on that, the very beginning stages of, of that. How do we help somebody with a hard heart take one step closer to Jesus? How do we help somebody with a superficial heart take one step closer to Jesus? How do we help somebody with a distracted heart take one step closer to Jesus? See, we're all in different stages in our walk with Jesus, whether we don't believe in him yet or we do. How are we helping somebody take one step closer to Jesus? Are we fulfilling our purpose? Are we being a light in this dark world? Jesus is saying, he who has ears, let him hear. God's giving you as opportunities, putting people around you. Are we doing what he's called us to do? So basically what Jesus is saying, those who have ears to hear, let him hear. He's saying, those who aren't rebellious, receive this teaching. So the question would be, are you in rebellion to God today? Do you want to receive this teaching? You're a sensible people. You can think it out for yourselves. The secret of the kingdom of God is that it grows by sowing seed or sharing the gospel. We aren't responsible for how people respond. We're responsible to share the message. God does the rest. But my desire is to see people saved. Amen? You see, Christ is still here. His kingdom is still here. It's still advancing. He's still giving the opportunity to people to defect from the kingdom of darkness to come into the light. For their sins to be forgiven, forgotten, separated as far as east is from the west. That's good news. For their guilt to be gone. For their pains to be mended. For them to be loved and accepted in his kingdom, in his house. When we hear the word of God, we now become accountable. We're responsible. Those of you who believe in this, you're responsible and you're accountable. There's a reason that we gather together as a church, amen? To keep each other responsible and accountable to what we've heard, to what we know, and to what we're doing. We need to long to see people saved. We have a responsibility. But the truth is that God will respond to us as we've responded to him. What, is it? what do I mean by that? God will respond to us in the manner that we've responded to him. If we've enthusiastically received his teaching, and we enthusiastically study his word, he's going to do what? He's going to increase our knowledge of the word 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. He's going to magnify that. If we're not interested, just like the seed that was thrown along the path, we're not interested, we reject his truth, he's going to take away even what seed was there. But God desires to reach all people. God responds to us as we have responded to him and his word. Uh, Charles Spurgeon said this, and he says, The hearer of the gospel will get measure for measure, and the measure shall be his own measure. And it worked out just this way. To the one who has no interest in the gospel, the preaching of the gospel seems uninteresting. To the one who wants to find fault with the church or the preacher, they find plenty of faults. That's true. Uh, On the other hand, the more blessed hand, those who hunger find food, and those who want the solid truth receive something from a faithful ministry. 
more will be given, more desire to hear, more understanding of what you hear, more intimacy with God, you name it. Do you desire that this morning? Because God wants to give you more. You see, God builds up momentum in our lives towards that. As we start studying his word and meditating on, he builds up momentum to, to that. But then as soon as we stop the spiritual habits that we've developed in our lives, reading the word, praying, spending time with the family of God, um, going out and sharing the word of God, as soon as we stop doing that and we take that out of our lives, all of a sudden it becomes really, really easy to keep stopping. I want to encourage you guys this morning. What does your heart look like today? Are we sowing the seed? Are you guys sowing the seed? Are you, are you farmers today? Are you farmers for the kingdom of God? The other question is, for some of us, if you're visiting this morning, is your heart hard? God is in the business of tilling hard soil. He can turn a heart of rock into something that is completely soft. And perhaps you need to pray the Psalm 51 prayer. It says, create in me a new heart, O God. Restore a right spirit within me. Restore in me the joy of my salvation for some of us today. Are you rejecting the gospel? Well, is your heart superficial? Maybe you prayed a prayer years and years ago. You you raised your hand in the service. You accepted the call of a preacher saying that God wanted to forgive you of your sins. He wanted to make you right before God. He wanted to give you eternal life. But then no, no roots ever really developed, and you're here this morning, and you're thinking, man, I really do need to recommit my life to God. I want roots to develop. I want to, I want to be deeply rooted in this word so I can withstand the trials of this life, so I can get through this with joy, so I can experience the fruit of the Spirit. You can have that today. Take some deep roots. God wants, God wants to have you back. Is your heart divided? Is there something that's choking out the word of God in your life? I pray there wouldn't be, and I pray this morning that you would be able to see that. And my last two encouragements here would be, A, humbly and joyfully receive the message of the kingdom if you haven't. And secondly, this, confidently and urgently spread the message of the kingdom, the message of salvation. You see, it's something that we don't practice all that often, is it? But I, I encourage you too. It's easy to have conversations with people. But are you constantly praying for the people that you are going to be talking with the next day, the people you're going to be talking with today, asking God, okay, God, would you give me just an opportunity, if it comes up, to share your message with them, to share your heart for them, that you love them, that you care for them, that you want a better life for them, you want eternal life for them. Confidently, urgently spread the message of the kingdom. You see, you might be asking, like, well, how, how can we do that? You know, Jesus said two of the greatest commandments were what? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, it's been interesting because the Lord really did put this on my heart. I, I noticed you guys have a big building project going on uh, Valley Center Road. And uh, I just, every time I passed it by coming up here, I just keep thinking, wow, you know what? God is adding some people into your community. Are they going to be received by you guys with a loving heart? Or with distaste because there's going to be more traffic. And we can laugh at that, but can we be a little more kingdom-minded today? God's bringing people here. Are they going to be received with love? Are they going to be invited to a loving church where they can grow in the things of God? 
Are they going to be met with uh, just being drugged through the mud and, and, and distaste and, and you name it? God is adding new fields for you to sow. Grace point. And I'm excited to see the kingdom grow here. So I'm going to close us in prayer. And if you are here this morning and you would like to receive the message of salvation, that Christ did die for your sins on the cross, all you have to do is pray a simple prayer. I'll lead us in that. And then we'll close. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Father God, we do admit that we are sinners. Lord, we admit that we need you. Lord, we're sorry for all that we've done wrong. Lord, we ask that you would come into our lives to be our personal Lord and Savior, to be the King over our lives, to rule and reign in us, to break the chains of sin that are holding us back, to give us new freedom, Lord. Lord, help us to follow you all the way to heaven. Help us to develop deep roots in your word until we see you face to face one day. And we pray these things in Jesus' good and precious name. And the church said, Amen.